0: It's the Euro Digest here on the Football Digest. I'm Guy Clark, welcome along. Wembley ready for a tartan invasion as England eye the knockouts, Scotland out to save their Euros. Plus, De Bruyne dazzles in Copenhagen as Belgium head into the last 16. That and more to get into today. Here along for the ride, we have Football.London's West Ham correspondent, Tom Clark and north of the border to even things up, sports reporter at The Daily Record, Michael Gannon. Guys, I hope you're both well. Uh, Tom, I'll come to you first, and we'll look back on yesterday's action before we get into the the big game today. Of course, uh, Czech Republic and Croatia facing off at Hamden. Um, we'll, uh, We'll talk about the game in Copenhagen first, I think. Kevin De Bruyne off the bench at halftime. Denmark winning one 0 in that, and uh, yeah, Belgium running out two, 2-1 winners. De Bruyne with an
1: assist and a goal. Oh, it's just some player, isn't it? De Bruyne last last season he was the player I was most looking forward to watching of of all the of all the teams. Obviously covering West Ham, so you get to see get to go up to Manchester City for that game in uh, February, and and he didn't actually have a great game there, but he was just he was the player I wanted to watch and. And that assist for the first goal was was ridiculous i was i was chatting with some friends and you know one of them pointed out oh what a run from from lukaku with the first time he got in behind It's like yeah absolutely but it was de bruyne who took three players out with you know i think the commentary was was saying you know that there were two occasions there that any normal player would have had a shot and and he didn't and he two of them went sliding on past him when he checked back in and then he cut the other one out with the pass for the easiest of finishes and what a player just so pleased that that injury wasn't one to, to keep him out of the tournament because he's he's the player to watch I, I love watching him play football
0: Yeah Michael Belgium looked good in their, their first game didn't they got a 3-0 win in that one but then they have Kevin De Bruyne able to come into the side and you can all of a sudden understand why they are the world ranked number one side Yeah
2: you can see it listen anything I've watched Belgium in the flesh they've been, they've been superb but listen they've got, they've got questions to answer this is, this is their moment this is probably the last chance for this kind of golden generation um to win a major trophy. And that's that's what I love about De Bruyne. You can almost get a sense that big players seize big moments, don't they? And you get an impression this is a guy that can really grab this tournament with the scuff of the neck now, now that he's proved that he's going kind of back and he can get towards fitness. And that kind of moment last night shows you, that's a guy, that's a guy at the very, very top level, taking control and, and doing the business. But it's um, it's a lot of pressure on Belgium, I think they've got to go and They've got to go and really compete in this tournament, and I think they've got to get to the kind of um, semi final final. This, this might be their last throw of the dice, so it's, it's going to be interesting. But they're a cracking team. See when they click, I think they are the best when they click. Um, maybe they haven't got the strength and depth of other, other nations, um, but when they've got 1 11, their top team out, which is obviously De Bruyne is in there, there, they could take some stopping. Um, but yeah, it was um, some display,
0: wasn't it? Yeah, completely agree with you. I think France probably have to, the deepest squad, don't they? But you can only get 11 on the pitch. And if Belgium's best 11 can be on the pitch more often than not, they are going to take some stopping. Just a quick word on on Denmark, Tom. And, of course, they marked Christian Eriksen and his recovery in the, the 10th minute, kicking the ball out of play and the whole stadium in applause Christian Eriksson I think just 400 yards or so away in the, the the nearby hospital but they took the lead in this game and certainly for the first 45 minutes really showed what they were all about and they could yet still just sneak through as a as a third place team
1: yeah they looked really good didn't they in that first half they they really did they took the, they just started obviously they got the goal inside 2 minutes but they just Started like you know, maybe obviously they're incredibly upset, obviously, from the Ericsson incident. It's just you know, amazing and brilliant to see that he's going to make a recovery. And and there's even talk that maybe he'll play again because uh, um, Daily Blind has had a similar um heart, I'm not sure what it's called been put in, but you know, Daily Blind's had one and he's still playing, so maybe Ericsson will come back, obviously, not anytime soon, but but it was just you know what happened for them as a team is just horrendous and the fact that they had to go go back on and finish the game against finland and it just felt like they went out there against belgium and and they were playing for christian they were they really were and it was a lovely touch and the whole stadium stopped and you saw all the fans with their ericsson shirts and yeah denmark are a good side aren't they and you have to think had had the ericsson situation not happened against finland you would have backed them to to get the three points there and Definitely backing them to win their last group game. Whether that will be enough, you know, that, that's yet to be seen. It could come down to goal difference. Um, I think we saw that in the last tournament with the third-place teams. If you get a, a zero or a positive goal difference on three points, you're likely to go through. So, so fingers crossed because, you know, Denmark have, have got to be everyone's second team now, haven't they?
0: Yeah, actually, thinking about the maths of it, they could get maybe still finish second if they beat Russia and Finland lose to, to Belgium. They'd all be on three points. Belgium would be on nine. So, yeah, interesting. And I uh, have, to, have to see how that one does play out. Let's then move on to the Netherlands game then, Michael. 2-0 win over Austria for them. They're through as well to the last 16. And defensively, they looked all over the place against Ukraine. But yesterday, they're pressing in particular, certainly with Jeannie Alden, who makes you scratch your head as to why Liverpool have let him go. They really seem to be at it right from the moment go.
2: Yeah, I think I think the Netherlands are, are going to be worth watching. I think there's fun to be had there. I, I saw them um, in Portugal the week before the tournament started against Scotland, and I thought at times they looked really good. At times they looked a bit of shambles, and I think we've seen that in the first game as well. They're terrific at times, fairly shambolic at other times. I also think there's, there's, there's the usual kind of. It's great to have some sort of uh, back to normality. There's some bubbling below the surface. The Holland squad, as usual. They all don't get on and all that stuff. There's infighting and there's I think there's like the anti-vaxxers before the tournament and all this kind of stuff. It's um I think there was a public- plane
0: that went over the training ground, wasn't there, about how debo should be playing 4 3 3 or something like that. So the
2: things under the surface. Not quite exploded yet, but it's always the outhaul, isn't it? A major tournament, which is great. Um but they've got a fairly I think that they, they can get through this 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 section. I think they're also qualified now, but I think they've got a fairly a fairly gentle half of the draw. I think they can avoid like France. In um, Germany, I think, uh, Italy, they can avoid them. So they may actually sneak towards the kind of quarter semi-finals without the implosion. But I still think that's going to come at some point. I think it will be spectacular. I think its um, we can keep an eye on them, but that's for sure.
0: Yeah, it's all without Van Dijk as well, and, and van der Beek as well, ruled out as well. So they are missing a couple of key players. But Denzel Dumfries, Michael, probably should actually stay with you and ask you about Denzel Dumfries, because he sounds like he should be playing for Scotland at right-back, but he's, <laughs> he's scoring goals for Holland. <laughs> He'll have best with this guy. He says he's <laughs> a match for us player, doesn't he? No, he certainly uh, does, but he also he also to me strikes me as sort of a prime tournament kind of player. He's been linked quite heavily with Everton, but he's a right back scored two goals, Tom. I'm not sure how uh, how sort of likely that's gonna continue over a longer a longer spell.
1: No, I think I was uh, reading the stat that he'd scored, you know, in his 19 caps before the Euros, he hadn't scored any goals and he scored two and two in the Euros. Um just think with with the Netherlands, they're they're great fun to watch, but an organised and you know well organised good attack inside, I think will will have a field day against them. I mean, it's Austria have not been very good in their first two games. Ukraine were incredibly open in that first game. That where uh, Ukraine had to make a sub in the first half, and that that left flank was just completely open, and Dumfries was just there every time, and just just watching it at home on the uh, um, I think it was the Sunday evening game, and you just just think like. Surely, Shevchenko needs to move something around you in the first half, or at least at half time. But no, Dunfries was just there every single time, bombing down that wing, and um, he's, he's clearly a very good player. But if it's your, your right back who's you know coming towards the end of the game and he's he's up there supporting the striker, then then there's obviously a big hole behind him as well. Which you know, a, a team I, th- I think I think it's Italy they might face in the quarterfinals, and having I think don't quote me on that. I'm, I'm sorry, but I, th- I think I did the bracket, and I I had that and. I would uh, think Italy would absolutely tear them apart.
0: Yeah, no, most definitely. We, Michael, we've got the the Golden Boot race as well bubbling away. So many players on, on two goals right now. It, it really is sort of fairing up quite well.
2: It is. It's, all, it's all to play for, isn't it? Um, listen, don't forget we'll get we'll get Shea Adams good in there as well. Don't let's not be <laughs> making any um, assumptions at this stage, but. Um, yeah, but you're, you're, you're waiting for someone to kind of explode with her hat-trick, aren't you? Something like that to kind of burst it wide open, aren't you? But it's all there. I've been to see who goes it all the way. Uh, I guess you guys will be thinking uh, Harry Keenan, but I'm running soon as well. Um, again, so it'll be Hopefully not tonight.
0: <laughs> I was going to say, I don't think you can leave it much longer until a few, maybe pull away. So maybe match match day two might be a prime opportunity for him. We'll, we'll get into that game very shortly indeed. But one more game from yesterday to quickly just t- touch on and that's Ukraine beating North Macedonia. Two penalties in this game, both saved. Daliyoski did hit in his rebound for North Macedonia. But Tom, should ask you, I, I suppose you're probably primed to be our Ukraine expert somewhat with Andrey Yarmolenko, who started one game in the Premier League all season for West Ham and yet he scored two goals in this tournament and certainly has won against Column was an absolute beauty.
1: Well, you say I should be the uh, the, the Yarmolenko expert. I, I never get to see him play; he, <laughs> he doesn't get the game. But he's um, he, he's a. I, I said this yesterday. He's, he's a different beast when he plays for Ukraine. He's, he's the captain. He's trusted. He starts every game for them. His record is absolutely incredible. He's he's almost up to hundred caps now, and he's scored forty-four. I think it is goals for his for his country, second only to Shevchenko. He scores more than a goal every other game. It's yeah, I, it, it's absolutely amazing what he's doing. And, um, and he was with his right foot as well yesterday. I don't think I've ever seen him touch the ball with his right foot in his life. And he manages to put that in. His goal against the Netherlands was, was absolutely outstanding. And I mean, when you give a player who has got that in his locker so much space, uh, but, but the height and the dip he got on that to get it over um, Stichelenburg in, in the Netherlands goal was was brilliant. But yeah, he's, um, he's a different player. And... West Ham used him a couple of times in cup games to play through the middle because Antonio was either injured or they needed to give him a give him a rest and he and then Yarmolenko picked up an injury in the cup game away to Man United and didn't play again um for until the last couple of games of the season he got a few minutes off the bench I mean it looks like he'll be leaving West Ham this summer but there's no other transfer activity going on at the Hammers at the minute and uh, he is on big wages that's the thing so you get him off the books there but otherwise with the European campaign, he's he has got things to offer you just have to trust him play him in his right position and and give him a run of games i think with the europa league campaign coming up he really could could be useful as a squad player for west ham but he isn't a starter and i guess he probably wants to be a starter the, the big talk is going back to ukraine and playing for kiev where he started as as a lad and and yeah you couldn't probably see why somebody why he would like to do that you know a guy is 30 31 wants to go back home wants to play regular football you know get get his hundred caps for ukraine can see why that would work for both both sides really
0: yeah there is talk about Roman Yuremchuk who was the the other goal scorer for Ukraine as well but as you say not much really happening on the transfer front right now for, for West Ham
1: no there is very little happening on the transfer front we've we've just had David Moyes's confirmation that he's signed the contract which was in the pipeline for a while but it's been confirmed but his backroom stuff hasn't been confirmed yet um so there's probably things going on with with the scouting, but yeah, yeah Jurentchik scored scored two. He's he's joint top goal scorer. Um, he's got an assist to his name, so I think he's actually top of the the goal scoring charts for for now. Um, with with Yarmolenko, actually talk about golden boot winners. Talk about Harry Kane. You got, got Yarmolenko is going to be banging them in, but um, but yeah, no Jurentchik. He he looks a player. He's he's twenty five. He scored um, I think it's, it's, uh, nineteen goals in the in the Belgian league. But you know, there's a caveat that is the Belgian league. But he's he's looked very good. But then. Also, I did say the Netherlands haven't had a great defense in that first game, and they you know, and then North Macedonia are probably not the uh, the hardest of uh, of opposition. And they've got Austria to come, and it's you would imagine. And, and David Moyes is very diligent when it comes to to scouting. So I don't think he's going to sign a player based on tournament football. I think he's going to, you know, they're going to have looked at the games in Belgium. They're going to have looked at him over the last couple of years, and will make a decision there. But I mean, West Ham desperately need a striker, desperately really, I mean it's how they've got this this long second half of the season without one is was a bit of an odd one anyway. So it's there there's a lot of links with with strikers for West Ham and how how many of them actually come to fruition we don't know how many of them are actually true. We don't know either, but Yeremchuk looks looks decent and I don't think West Ham fans would be too would I think I think they would be quite happy if, if he was brought in.
0: Let's move on to today's action then. Eight o'clock at Wembley. England versus Scotland. 25 years on from Euro 96. We get a rematch at the Euros of the two sides. Michael, what's the, the thoughts in Scotland? We've had the, the Football Digest podcast yesterday with John Cross, Andy Dunn, Jeremy Cross and Matt Dunn all talking sort of broadly from an English perspective. So so what's the feeling north of the border?
2: I, I think there's a little bit of trepidation now. Um, I think we came into this this tournament with a lot of optimism. Um, I think we were uh, we'd only lost two to twice in kind of fourteen games, got through the, the playoffs and the penalty shootouts and all that stuff, the drama, excitement, and um, good performance against Holland in the kind of warm-up matches. So we came with a lot of optimism and I think that was kind of punctured quite badly uh, with the Czech game. I think we thought that was an opportunity to go off to a flyer. Um, but it didn't go to plan, I think. Um, I don't think Scotland played all that badly in the match itself. I think we started poorly. And we got a little bit nervous and they went kind a of long ball, which wasn't the way we've been playing in, the, in recent years. And obviously we lost a, um, a, an opening goal. And then the second goal is, listen, it's a bit of a freak, the second goal, let's be honest. It's a magnificent finish from there. but It was ridiculous. And that's a 1-100 effort. You don't see that often. Um, but, it's, but it's definitely deflated the kind of optimism we um, going to this one, there's a little bit of a worry now, um, especially with England playing quite well against Croatia in the first game. So I think now we're, we're up against it. It's going to take something special, I think, to get a to get a result. I still think, I don't think that it's a foregone conclusion. We're going to go there and, and, and get thumped. I don't think that's, that's that kind of game. I think the sides are, aren't, they, I don't think the gap is as big as it's been at certain points in the last kind of 15, 20 years. I think it's, uh, it's narrower. I think it looks to me like a, a, a Premier League game. But a kind of a Champions League top four, six side, Champions League side against a kind of mid-table, maybe Europa League kind of English side. I think that's what we're looking at. And if that's the case, listen, there's no guarantees that it's going to be the result either way. So I think it's, there's a game on here. We've got a wee bit of belief, but it's been damaged. But it's, um, it's, it's a kind of game on situation. Let's go for it and see how it goes.
0: Yeah, I think it's going to be a proper... British blood and thunder game as well as you say I think the weather's probably going to help play into that as well wet down in London today I think and hopefully brightening up a bit by the time that the the game kicks off but it's He's not going to be absolutely baking like it was at the weekend when, when England were playing against Croatia, that's for sure. But, Tom, in terms of the game from an England perspective as well, there's a bit of talk about Gareth Southgate maybe making two changes. I think when a lot of people saw that squad on Sunday, they would have said, well, the strongest side is a lot more than two changes. But a left-footed left-back coming in and maybe Jack Grealish. But I suppose it's also a big vote of confidence in that Declan Rice and Calvin Phillips midfield too.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think Declan Rice has been nailed on if fit to be a starter for for the past year or so. He's um, and and this isn't just saying this from the West Ham perspective, but he, but he's a he's a fantastic footballer. He's, he's actually somebody that I've appreciated more by seeing him live. He does a lot of people talk. That he was really quiet on the weekend. Well, that's that's what he's good at. If he's if he's doing his job well, you don't see him a huge amount and. And it, yeah, he's obviously Cameron Phillips was was superb against against Croatia. So I think he was the one that maybe there were question marks about over not not Rice. And but yeah, the two of them have got a got a very good partnership. Um, the a left a left-footed left back. I mean, I, Kieran Trippier is a fantastic footballer, so I would have no problem with him starting again. But yeah, you know, we've we've got this squad, and hopefully, hopefully, England are going to be in the tournament for a while. So you know, you've got a Champions League winning left back there in Ben Chilwell, or you've got Luke Shaw, who's had a superb season. So if one of them came in for Trippier and Trippier moved to right back, or if James came in at right back or Walker stays, I mean, options, they, these are incredible options that Southgate has got to have. And it's, it's nice to have a conversation where we're talking about, you know, yeah, you know, if if he's leaving these players out, you just look at the bench and the strength in depth England have got is is fantastic. Like you say, only eleven people can be on the pitch, but five changes you can make during the game. And if and if you get your subs right, you can basically change. what you can change half your outfield team and refresh things if things aren't going well, or you know, bring on some fresh legs if you need them. And I think England just, I think England will have too much for Scotland. I do that. You know, the, yes, there's the blood and thunder of this. You know, it's a British rivalry type of game, but. I think what England did against Croatia was they looked comfortable, which was very un-England. At 1-0 up, I, there was never really a huge threat from Croatia. It didn't feel like Croatia were going to come back into the game. And Croatia weren't as good as we expected them to be. But I I think if if England can just concentrate, take this as any other game, not, not think about this as an England-Scotland rivalry, then honestly, I can only see an England win him.
0: Yeah, there's no Lee Griffiths either to to spoil things for England either. But Michael, in terms of Scotland and their selection as well, Kieran Tierney likely to to come back in. Steve Clark talking him up in the, the press conference ahead of the game, and and Che Adams as well. A lot of clamour for him to to come into the side as well. Do you see only those two players coming in, or do you think there'll be a fair few more changes?
2: I think I think I think that's the, the I think those are the two ones we will we'll see. I think um, I think we're surprised that, that Adams didn't start um, in the opener. I think he, he looked pretty good for for Scotland. Um, that was a, a slight surprise. Um, the, the game plan, I think, I a slight misstep by by Steve Clark. Um, so I think I would imagine he he will start. Um, Tierney is the big one for us because he, he's Clark has found the system that works that he can fit Tierney and Danny Robertson in the same team. Um, I know, I know Kearney's played that kind of left sided centre back role for Arsenal as well, but he's with Scotland, he's made that a, a, a position, he's kind of created a position of his own. He's like an attacking centre half, and he actually overlaps Andy Robertson at times, and it, it works a treat. Um, they gave the Dutch a, a, a torrid time down that flank. Um, talk about um, the, the Dumfries, he was able that, that game as well. So it, it, they two they are, are, are so important. So if he's fit, that's a big bonus for us. Um, there is some plus points. I mean, McTominay, middle of the park. You mentioned uh, Rice and Phillips. McTominay, I think, is up there along with these guys. I mean, talk about Manchester United, regular now, playing in Europe. He's a, a top player. He did his best game against the Czechs, but I think the system, perhaps, going long early on, didn't really help him. Um, you get got John McGinn in there as well. The question is, does, does Callum McGregor come back at the start? I think he does for his legs. Uh, the only problem with Callum McGregor, listen, he's a proven player for Celtic and they played Champions League football, a lot of games for Scotland, but he's played a lot of football in the last four or five years. I think he averages about 60 games a season, and he looks as though it's caught with him. Um, but if he sat out the game on, on uh, last Monday, so he may come back in and give him that wee bit of, bit of legs. But I think that's maybe the only other one to, to look at. But um, See, I don't think... I, listen, I take the point. England and attacking areas are so much stronger. I think that's the that's the key thing. When you look at the likes of your, your Kane, Sterling, Foden, Rashford, listen, so the list goes on and on, right? Loads of danger there. Um at the back, I think there's maybe a wee weakness for England, England as well. I don't, I'm not that convinced England at the back. So I think Scotland will get chances. Um, and it's, and listen, it's, this is not a kind of FA Cup tie and it's like a League Two team against a Premier League team. It's not that kind of game. I think it's, it's closer than that. So I don't think it will be a procession for England. But I think we have got our work cut out.
0: What about Jack Grealish then, if he were to come into the side? Michael, I'll ask you about him first because if Scotland, for example, do bring Adams in and he partners Dykes, so they have two... Nominal forwards on the pitch. They have their five man defence in, in three in midfield. Surely if you've got sort of Rice, Mount, Phillips, and Grealish all in there, that could create quite a big problem for Scotland right in the middle of the pitch. And Grealish, just, we know he's sort of he's a magnet, brings defenders to him.
2: Yeah, I, I don't think he'll go with two. I think he might play Adams up up top on his own with someone supporting him like uh like a Stuart Armstrong or a Ryan Christie. Someone who can tuck in and do the running as well, uh, and those two can do that and and be attacking players. I think they might do that. Except, like you say, you need to be careful because um Gaelish like is a great player. I mean, I must admit. I mean, if they, if you're not starting for England, we'll you, take them um, if you don't want them. Um, but he's he's a he's, a, he's a, a cracking player. But I understand that, that England have got different problems to work out with mean, fit these guys. That's their problem. Um, almost an embarrassment. Riches not those kind of areas. Um, but I can't see I can't see Clark going with two up top. I'd be very surprised if they went two up top purely for that reason. We can't we can't afford to get outnumbered in that in that kind of middle area, park area, and they might need that might need the legs that are kind of Armstrong or Christie can bring them. So uh, I would doubt it.
0: Yeah, it feels to me, Tom, that it's going to be a bit of a different game, certainly to the Croatia one. And Scotland might at times have to be stubborn and, and sit deep, and therefore sort of the likes of Raheem Sterling, albeit probably expected to play, but maybe someone like Phil Foden, who's a bit more dynamic, there might not be that room for him to run into like he did in the first game. And so it really plays into the hands of a player like Grealish.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Jack, Jack Grealish is a fantastic player, isn't he? And, and the fact, he didn't even get on the pitch against Croatia, like Michael said, talks about the strength and depth that they've got. And you can make changes and you can bring in fresh players. And I mean, the way Czech Republic played against Scotland is not how England are going to play against Scotland. I did it just did a job on, on McGim, which isn't you know, he I haven't seen him play that role before for West Ham. It shows what a good player, versatile player is. I don't think England are going to do that. I think England are going to look to to boss possession. And and like you say, you know, you're going to have people like Grealish who who just get the ball and he just makes things happen. He runs at defenders, he the amount of free kicks he wins as well. And that that will be something that, that England will be looking to, uh, to try and capitalize on getting him on the ball, getting him running at defenders, getting players booked, getting free kicks. And you know, taking advantage of set pieces. I mean, as long as Harry Kane's not taking the set pieces, and if he's in the box trying to get on the end of them, then then it's all good. It's um, I, I would love to see Grealish start, but then who who do you leave out for him? You know, is it is it Sterling who had a good game, or is it Foden? It, it's it's a lovely conundrum to have. I'm pleased I'm not Gareth Southgate, but if 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 Grealish is on that in that starting eleven, then England are a stronger team for it. Uh, yeah.
0: diamond, diamond shoes are too tight. That's a problem. <laughs> 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 just uh, just looking at sort of the, the head-to-head since the, the two countries played each other in 2013, this, the last four meetings that, that they, they've had, Michael, Scotland has scored five goals in that time, albeit they've only been stopped scoring once, actually, their last visit to Wembley, a 3-0 win for England. But there will be a threat from Scotland, point Tom makes, that Scotland won't be playing this game the same way in which they played against the Czech Republic, albeit in that game, did create an awful lot of chances, just Dykes primarily couldn't take them.
2: Yeah, listen, uh, I think previous, previous encounters we can really forget about. The, th- the themes have changed so much. I think Scotland, in particular, have been up and down. Um, a decent spell under Gordon Strachan when we got the result at, at, at Hamden against England. But they went a bit kind of south for a few years and back again. So a lot's happened since that point. I actually think, under the current manager, under Steve Clark, that Scotland's actually better against the better nations. I think it suits him to set himself up um, against the better teams. I think it's against the kind of likes the Czech Republic, you kind of and these kind of teams that you have to go in and impress yourself. I think then we struggle a wee bit because they don't have that kind of um, that threat that England, that England possess. Um, but with 19 shots and goal against the Czech Republic, for all for all we struggle to get to um, uh, to score with 19 shots, and you think at least one of them might have sneaked in for us. Um, and I think they'll create. I think England, the way England will play, will allow Scotland to play in a certain manner that will give them a chance to to spring. I mean, he likes to John McGinn, a great at, at, at bursting out on, on, on the break as well. I say so we've got runners in those forward areas, and I think the Adams up top, we can put a ball on the back of the net. So I think there will be I think there will be opportunities. Um and I say, like I say, um, that England defence I don't think is, is the, the 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 strongest part of the team. Um listen, they have still got Champions League winners in there and all that stuff and, and fifty million pound centre backs. I know I get that, but I still think there's maybe a little bit of a you kind know, of wire injury. Um, it's maybe a, a slight weakness that Scotland can maybe capitalise on um, I might be clutching here but I've got a clutch of something, haven't I?
0: Yeah, no, we'll, we'll see how it does all play out we've certainly talked it up right? the day gets underway with Sweden versus Slovakia at two o'clock and then following on from that in England and Scotland's group Croatia against Czech Republic up at Hamden um, Tom, obviously with your West Ham hat on you mentioned Suchek already but his midfield partner Alex Crow, he's another who's been sort of Linked with a move to West Ham United, and they look like they've got a very good understanding there in the
1: centre of midfield. Yeah, they did. I, I obviously have having covered West Ham. I, I have to uh, to follow Czech Republic and uh, Slavia Prague in particular because it seems that any time Slavia do anything, then um, then one of their players gets linked to West Ham. So, but Kral was at Slavia; he's now playing in Spartak Moscow. Didn't think he had a great game against Scotland, but he did have a very good understanding with Suchek. That was the one thing I got from it. I mean, his. His passing stats weren't great. He gave the ball away a fair few times, but the way the two dovetailed, they they clearly they they played together before in in Slavia as well as with the Czech public. They had a very good understanding. And David Moyes did a piece for the Times, a seven for to seven players to look out for um, going into the tournament, and Kral was one of them, and it. It, right, he's not going to release a list of, oh, these are seven players West Ham are scouting. But, it, you know, he he's, he's an intelligent man. He knows what he's doing when he's writing a list of players to watch for. And when one player is heavily linked with West Ham and he's picked him out as seven to watch in the tournament, he kind of put two and two together there. And I, yeah, he's, he is a good player, but um, didn't have a great game against, against Scotland. So it'll be interesting to see what it's like is a very, very different midfield for uh, for, for the Czech um that public are facing tonight, Croatia with the likes of uh Kovacic, Brozovic and Modric there. So um so it'll be interesting to see how the Czech Republic set up a, to take on Croatia today. Suček Suchek is I mean, is an absolutely fantastic player. I can't maybe they'll put him on a man marking job again. Maybe he'll be on Modric this time. But um but yeah, if if he's doing that, then Kral needs to be the one getting a bit further forward and playing the passes, which he he tended to drop a little bit deeper and let Suchek push forward. So um so yeah be interesting. Definitely one to watch for sure.
0: Yeah, David Moy's very canny operator in the transfer market. You you'll know better than all of us about that Tom. But Michael, just in terms of this game, final word for, for you on today's podcast. Scotland, I suppose, maybe hoping for a Czech Republic win, will they? So they go into the game with Croatia and kind of a, a winner takes all match.
2: Yeah, I think so. And I think it's possible. I think I think the Czechs I don't don't think they're that great at ha- at Hamden. I think they're a wee bit fortunate in that, that game. Um but I think they have I think they're a good side. I think of, uh, we I me in Scotland we've seen Slavia and Sparta prague as well, uh, against Celtic Rangers been pretty impressive as well. those players are, are, are decent. Um so I think uh, and Croatia I think are uh, a side on the slide. I know they've got Modric, who's now about I must have nearly 40 or something. Like that is, but a 35-year-old is so still great, but he's pushing on a bit as well. Um, I think the Czechs can get us out against Croatia. I think they can sneak it. I think it'd be tight, right enough, but I think they can sneak it and give us a chance. And um, once we get a point at Wembley, we can go into the game against Croatia, uh, and a win will take us through pretty, pretty comfortably.
0: Uh, hopefully you wake up from the daydream before eight o'clock, Michael, but it's been, uh, been great having you on with us. Michael Gannon, Tom Clark, joining myself, Guy Clark here, on today's edition of the Euro Digest. Until next time, it's bye for now.